Defense. It's time again. It's time for the perfect game. Daredevil, number five of 13. And with me answering the call this time, I think you know who he is. His name is Jason Snell. Mose, I'm glad to be here. I had to take off my headphones where I listened to a therapist tell me things to calm me down. So I hope I don't lose it during this episode. I'm sorry. That must be uh, really hard. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. Well, it started when I was a kid on my peewee baseball team. <laughs> so tell me about that time. What was that like? Did the coach make you angry? Were you sad? Oh, my God. Are you the kingpin? Oh, how do you have an episode, Jason, with no daredevil? I, you know, the part that got me is that we, I mean, we see the, the taxi at the beginning. And then there's that great moment where Karen comes into the apartment and his, like, wet clothes are on the floor. And you're like, what is happening? Yeah. And then in that last scene at the end, I was like... Oh, okay, that's good. Like Matt was there. We didn't know he was just there. But uh, you know, at that point you've realized what this episode is really about, which is about about Dex. It's about Bullseye. And so, um, you know, at that point you're like, oh, I see what you did there. But for the whole episode, I'm like, wow, there's just no Matt in this. This is not and I think it's a great episode, but and it's a it's a after the intensity of episode four, yes. It's kind of nice to have that that shifted gears this is a, a bullseye episode but it's also kind of a uh what's the kingpin up to episode and i think it's a good time to pause and have some other stuff go on um between you know this episode and and not to spoil anything for episode six but i would say episode six having seen it it's intense too but then there's episode five which is a totally different kind of intense and uh i liked it i liked it i was i was happy to to be on this one but it is weird that the episode that you gave me i'm like oh the one that matt's not in okay and and <laughs> like, i had i hadn't seen it yet and i was like are you kidding and then <laughs> falling in after four i was like they're not going to show matt like i mean this is a you know it's a episode <laughs> uh cliffhanger which yeah. is exciting what risk these guys are taking in a sense with let's just let's just start at the at the start which is having this interesting motif of how is it that the kingpin gets in someone's head here's the process he gets the info and then relives it yep not yeah. unlike in season 1 where we learn kind of about uh fisk as a boy but here he's doing the same thing as desk dex as a boy yeah and this is this is how he does what he does i mean that's that's part of his power essentially the kingpin has is he has the ability to um you know he's got his he's got his actual power to get people to do things for him but then he's got this ability to figure out what he needs to do what he needs to say get really get into the head of somebody and you know we it's like Manchurian candidate stuff in this episode. It's super like the Kingpin is doing crazy mind control stuff on decks in this episode. It's pretty wild. And he doesn't even know it. I mean, I didn't. Well, first off, he gets in his head. He learns, you know, kind of where he came from, why he might be the way he is, mm -hmm. and then starts giving him gifts in the shape of the woman that he's been stalking. 
Yeah, that 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 is that is a really nice kind of twist that um that I wasn't really expecting, which is that Fisk brings his stocky into the hotel basically as an employee so that she's right there for Dex to find. And we've, we've seen that he's been, he has that conversation early on in the season where he talks about how, um, Oh, she's my, you know, she's, she's my everything and all this. And and he's got this fantasy about it when he's in fact, like sitting in his car (laughs) watching her across the street. Yeah. I uh, I was not ready for that. I was not ready when I saw that. And then, (laughs) then, then to actually have it come into fruition and then fail. So it's, it's almost as if it's it's like a double setup. Like I mean, you, Kingpin's a long player, so it's, it's almost mm-hmm. as if he knew he would screw it up, or maybe he wouldn't, and he would still be. He could say, "Well, I did that for you. I know what you yeah. want." Yeah, pl- what, yeah. It, it, it is. I did you a favor, and you blew it. <laughs> even though he knows he was going to blow it, and now you're even more kind of messed up and indebted to me. It's it's that long. Ga- I think. You're right. Kingpin plays the longest game. And I think one of the things that they've done in this season that I've really liked is this idea that there's kind of like all these different layers of what the long game is that the Kingpin is playing. So at the beginning, you're like, um, oh, I can't believe that this is going on. And then and then you start to it starts to unfold where it's like, oh, wait, he set that up. Oh, wait, he said that. Oh, he said. And like it keeps expanding. So by the time I assume by the time we get to the end of the season, we'll have had like five more reveals of things that the Kingpin has been uh, doing in the background to manipulate what's going on. And uh, I like that. I kind of like the idea that, that some of the Kingpin's machinations are just completely hidden to us until that moment when they get sprung. And here we see it with where he's noticed uh, in the in the that fight scene in the first episode, I think, where where uh, he gets saved by Dex. Mm-hmm. He's like, mm-hmm. that guy. Yes, I need to. I got something I can do with that guy. And now he's putting his plan into into action here. And this is his second favor to Dex. The first yeah. one was he covered for him. Right, right. Yeah, Kingpin is a pro. He knows he knows what he's doing here. But I, I I like that he has that moment where it's like, I need the dossier on this guy. I need to figure out how to break him. Essentially, I need to I need to know exactly. And he's a really interesting. I mean, it turns out this this guy is really interesting because he's had all this psychotherapy, and he he basically you know killed his baseball coach because he was angry at him because he's had this ability from a from a young age and then he has a kind of freak out with the with the therapist and and she is like the hero of this episode isn't she amazing where she's like i believe in you you can be a regular person you got to listen to me and you get that gut punch when they cut and she's dying of cancer or whatever i think it's cancer but she's dying and she's she's falling apart and um and she's like, you just, you got my tapes, listen to the tapes. And it's just like, no, 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 you're the only thing standing between this poor person and the abyss. And then she gets sick. And what's he going to do? It's, it's, it's quite a little ride. Like, I mean, we're, we get the origin story of Bullseye. And if you had told me, it's like, this is the episode where we find out about Bullseye. I'd be like, I don't care. And it turns out I totally care. They really good job. And it's all in this context of Fisk watching it happen, which makes it extra creepy. Well, I, I find it very interesting to have interesting villains. Mm-hmm. I think that has always proven to work really well. And when it doesn't, the, uh, an entire season can be flubbed. 
I mean, we've seen it happen yeah. with with yeah. anything you're watching. You know, if you don't have that well-defined villain that you actually might have empathy for, like it was chilling for me when she said, what do you want to do to me? And, you know, we're kind of thinking, right. uh, I think he wants to kill her. And he says it. Or she says yeah. it, I think, like, do you want to kill me? And I was just like, is 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 she going to allow this to happen? Like, is it that twisted? Well, and, and she knows she's dying, right? So it's almost like she's got nothing to lose. Yeah. She can dare him. She can push him to the edge in order to try and save him and, and, and try to get him to back down. But you said, you know, we talk about villains, and I think you're totally right. I think that um, to pull out another show like Luke Cage, I think the first half of the first season of Luke Cage uh, uh, is really good. Exactly. You're, good. You're, you were reading my head. And the second half, the villain is bad, and it's bad. And, like, it was that simple. Like, you had a good villain, and the show was good. But with Dex, what fascinates me about this, and I, I don't know where this season is going, but I was talking about this with Lauren tonight because we've been watching the season together, and she said uh, something about, you know, he's the you know second bad guy. I said, that's the thing about Dex. Is he a bad guy? He's like the in-between guy. Like... He's the bad guy who doesn't want to be a bad guy, and he's got the real bad guy who's pulling him into being a bad guy. So it's sympathetic. You, it's almost as if you don't want to see him go down this path, but at the same time, you want him to fulfill the bullseye. Well, he does have this terrible destiny, right, that we know about if we know that he's bullseye from the comics, right. although they can change that. But but yeah, I think you have to be pulling for him because he knows he's a monster, and he's trying very hard to not be a monster. He's got that's the thing that really gets me about him that's kind of heartbreaking when he when he falls apart at various points is he's trying, right? He's got his tapes. He's he uh, from his dead yep, therapist. Yep. He is trying to hold it together. He like even when he is on the worst, you know, date in the world because he doesn't know what he's doing and he gives over way too much information. You don't about, have a dog. Oh. Because I watch your apartment and oh. I know everything about you. Oh, you blew this guy. But like he again, it's like he he just is incapable of 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 relating to people in that way. But it's not like he doesn't want to. He wants to. He wants to relate to people in that way. He wants to not to be normal. He does not want to be a psycho killer. But you get the sense that he, but he is <laughs> like he, he really is. He just doesn't want to be bad. Yeah, it's I think it's fascinating to have him in the middle. Also in the middle between Matt and and Fisk. Right. And Fisk is like, come to my side. But but um, he, he doesn't want to be the villain of the piece. But Fisk is he's caught in Fisk's gravitational pull. And Fisk is actually playing the role of the good guy. Like I am Miss. Um, I've helped and what he was inside that meeting with his lawyer, you know, I've done all these things I've, I've right. done, uh, I've given you the information. I'm not the guy you think I am. I'm, I'm flipping on the, on the whole thing. Right. And so it's, it's enticing. There's there, you know, it's like as, as a, a person in the justice, um, field, and yeah, he's using his sham yes. of of giving away the the you know the the Eastern European organized crime family who wronged him. He's using that to get Dex to believe that he's still on the side of good and that uh, it's okay for him to do what he what Kingpin wants him to do because he's a good guy for real, which is not true at all. But he doesn't know that. 
is Kingpin the best villain in the MCU at this moment? You know, I can yeah. sympathize with Thanos. I can get there. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, Vincent D'Onofrio, like the way they obviously, I mean, the way you could read that first season is like, okay, that's it, we're done with him, and then it's very clear that everybody's like, no, 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 no. Um, and and actually, I I read a piece, uh, like quotes from D'Onofrio after they announced that Daredevil was canceled, that um, that he was like, you know, I don't care about the superhero stuff, uh, you know, but that was a great part. And on a great, and they were doing great work on that show. And I, I'm sad that they aren't bringing it back. And I feel like, you know, D'Onofrio was like, oh, this is really good. Like, this is a really good part. And it is. He's good in it. Um, and Kingpin in the comics can be kind of one note. Yeah. Um, he can be great, but he can also be really boring as, you know, he just is up in his ivory tower giving commands and he's got his little cane and his little suit. Um, he's the bad guy in the, in the Spider-Verse movie too. So there's a lot of Kingpin going on. It's a good time to be the Kingpin, I guess, right now. And, and, and he's menacing, even in the black, Super. the black and white motif and the way in which it was lit was just so interesting to see mm-hmm. him do the same thing he did to Matt, uh, a couple scene, a couple episodes back and be over somebody's shoulder. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's right. The other thing that's happening this season is that the Kingpin is in Matt's head, right? Matt has internalized the Kingpin as the voice of all of his self-doubt. So even when the Kingpin is not working against Matt, like, directly, he's working against Matt. And obviously, he is also, like, uh, framed Matt and has the police. Let's, the other thing that happens in this episode, right, is that is that they are all looking for Matt. They're in his apartment, like, the last bastion of Matt's sort of, like... Uh, safety and and his comfort of his home is completely invaded by by the uh the fbi um so you know fisk is doing all of that but also matt has his own like internal criticism is the voice of the kingpin so kingpin's in his head like literally he's in there talking to him now speaking of the fbi you wrote a little note in our document (laughs) here and initially starting this season i liked FBI agent Nadim because there were consequences for his actions. He was trying to do good, but financially the FBI was like, whoa, you're you're a little out of whack to your uh-huh. your debt to uh, income ratio. And you said he is now a chump and I don't care. <laughs> and I am starting yeah. to follow that maybe that thread is starting to fall off slightly. I mean, the moment when they talk about his debts and all that, I start to think to myself, well, he's the guy who's going to get turned. And that may yet happen, right. but it's a slow burn, and that's fine. I, I just, there are moments in this season where they, we see Agent Nadim, and I feel like the show really wants us to care. Like, we see him with his, you know, talking to his wife or with his family or all that. And I just don't care because I think he's a, I think he's a chump. I think he's set up as a chump at the beginning, and we're just watching it slowly play out to that moment where he realizes that he's been played the entire way, and that Fisk is in complete control, and he is he is a puppet that is dancing on the strings pulled by Wilson Fisk. And so when he goes to Foggy, uh, when they're having their meat raffle or whatever it is Ugh, that's happening, powerful, at Foggy's powerful pow- meat the, the house, the house of meat. That Foggy is the heir to the meat fortune and uh, all of that, and then Deem comes in and, and he's like, "Come on, let's let's talk about this." I just am. I mean, I love I love Foggy and Nadim. I just keep rolling my eyes at him because again, he's being played. We know he's being played. He's you know, I I just and I just don't care about the character. Like 
I think the show wants me to care about Nadim at a level that I just I don't. He's he's a chump. He's going to be a foil for Fisk. He's not going to be reliable. He, our characters can't count on him. I just don't. Yeah, he's yeah, probably so going to die. Annoying. Dex is going to kill him. Maybe it's maybe. possible. I, maybe. I see him falling away. But I, he definitely feels like he's going to be, you know, put in a position where Fisk has leverage over him, and and that's part of the grand plan that we don't know about yet. But I don't know. I'm like I said, I think I'm one episode ahead, so I have no, I have no idea where it's all going to play out by thirteen. I'm taking it slow. Yeah, you know, going as slow. I mean, honestly, in seasons past, I mean, I've I've watched the whole season in a night, and that's just a fact. I am glad that I've gone slow with it. Well. Who knew that everything was going to fall apart and that yeah. all these things would just go away? And I can only assume that Jessica Jones and Punisher will be the next to fall after sure. their episode. Sure. Yeah. Almost almost undoubtedly, they're just going to clean the slate when uh, when they get their moment of there's I think in all the contracts, there's that moment that is you need to pick it up by this date or it or it's gone. And I think they'll just pass those dates by and that'll be that. Ah, it's such a miss. Yeah, but I I agree with you. So the the thing on the on the TV talk machine with Tim Goodman, I talk about my my uh, streaming behavior as being the slow binge, which is you know I don't I don't do an episode a week, but I don't do four episodes a day. I I try to like have three or four shows going at a time, so I don't get like totally ground into like a single show and I can savor these shows that I really love. Yeah. And so with Daredevil, it's been yeah I've been I'm watching like one or two a week. I started late. I'm watching one or two a week. I like that pace because it feels like I get time to consider like what was this episode about. And I think we, I think that's lost in our binge culture where people devour a whole season and like if there's a sing, amazing single episode, it just, you know, it gets lost. You and Guy should have the ability to talk about episode 4 like you did. Right. Like right. episode four is a thing. And episode five here, the perfect game. Like this is the bullseye episode. It is a, a, a really interesting standalone episode that's trying to do something that's a little bit out of the format of the show. It's worth talking about it rather than having it be just a blur in 13 hours of Daredevil. Yeah, because it would it would end up being this weird, the like the an, I'm assuming the anomaly to the season. We're not going to see a, another episode like this one. I would assume not. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's got a lot of stylistic features in it that you just, mm-hmm. you just can't do all the time. And I, here we had what, what I really liked was a callback all the way to season one, one that I've been talking about, which is how Karen had changed from season one to now. She's almost uh, at least two times, maybe at least one time per season. She's now, a card uh, carrying member uh, of the Conceal and Carry Club, and she yep. says it, which is interesting. But now there, there's always been ramifications for when she did murder, and then we get the full callback to that. Yeah, and that's that's I mean that's a season one callback. Like that was a shocking moment where she felt. For, I mean, and it was kind of a cool moment in the in the in the heat of the moment. It's like this is a bad guy, and he's going to do bad things, and she takes him out. And it's it's questionable, but you're also kind of like, yeah, Karen, that guy was a bad guy. You killed him. Yeah. And, and it's a TV show. And you're like, yeah, outraged. You got him. Right. And now two two years later, you're 
the show is basically like, oh no, like that was super traumatic for her, and she's and, and it really was cold blooded murder, even though that guy was bad. And uh, I I like that that it comes back to haunt her because it kind of comes back to haunt us. I mean, like for me, I was like, yeah, you get that guy, and now two years later, I'm like, yeah, she probably shouldn't have killed him. Yeah, <laughs> I murder feel bad. Is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right like and he was he was what like tied to a chair or something yeah. like he was not it was i mean was it was not it was a threat it, yeah it was it was bad news all the way around it was it was oh, yeah it's it's the, the secret things that maybe not normal people think maybe i think like oh yeah that would be neat i could you know tear a guy up and that well, would and be- he deserves it right that sure. guy was a bad dude he was a bad dude who if he got untied or or whatever got out of there was going to do damage to karen and her friends absolutely and yet he was not physically threatening her at that moment and she decided she was going to end him and and like as an audience member you're like you know you had to do it karen he was a bad dude but after you think about it a couple of years and there's a little bit of remove and the emotion is a little bit out of it you, you you're like oh yeah that was that was cold-blooded murder right like there's no doubt about it that was even though he was a bad dude i mean that was probably too far i mean she, <laughs> she she's been feeling a little bit better about herself since she since she you know took up with frank castle but right there's still ramifications but, and it's Daredevil, man. Daredevil, if Daredevil, the TV show, is about one thing, it's guilt. Yes. Right? So Karen having this guilt about killing that jerk in season one, like, fits right in. <laughs> this is what, welcome to Daredevil, Karen. You got some guilt. You're, you're good to go. And and what does that do with the relationship between Foggy and Karen? Because that's the first time Foggy's known about it. Right. Foggy, Foggy... <laughs> I love Foggy. Senor Foggy. Um, one of the great things about Foggy is Foggy is a loyal friend. And one of the things that this show does and the comics do with Foggy is, but this show especially, is test his loyalty. Because that's the, that's the thing is he is a loyal friend. On every um, level they test him. Yeah, right? But he's a loyal, like with Matt this season. Matt like does everything possible to push him away. And Foggy's like, no. Mm-mm, no, I'm not going to do it. And and so with Karen, this is another test, which is, okay, Karen, I, Matt is a problem in my life, but at least I can count on you. And she's like, yeah, I killed a guy. And he's like, what? But again, it's foggy. He, It's going to test him, but he's going to ultimately be loyal to them because I think that's just fundamentally what foggy is. And it's what that's one of the things I love about foggy is that although he gets tested, he is he is super just like centered. I'm doing I'm doing what's right. And I'm going to be loyal to my friends. And it's uh, it's it's one of the great dynamics of those three characters of, of Matt, Foggy and Karen. See, it feels like Foggy. Foggy is definitely I feel more developed in this season for sure. And I'd like that if this vote, this election goes down, that somehow by him being the D.A. will can turn the tables on what's going on with with uh, with with the kingpin. I, I don't know if that's if that's where they're going, um, whether it's just one more thing that's going to incarcerate the kingpin at the end of all this. Maybe, you know, it, it, it's it's like there's these the, the our heroes have these broken plans that, and nothing is, is they're not working together. They're they're working in separate 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 strings, and I'm curious how the how they will unify as as a right. unified front. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you got to feel like that's that's where it's all going to come together in the back part of the season is all these different threads with Foggy and, and Karen and Matt are going to are going to all come together. But um, 
But yeah, I, I, I don't know whether Foggy running for DA is just there to put him in kind of jeopardy or whether it's going to be one of those things where people hate Fisk so much that he becomes, you know, the most successful write-in candidate for district attorney ever. I don't know. But um, I love that he's a crusading, you know, uh, I'm going to stand up to the the bad guys and take this this guy who's in a penthouse and we're going to put him back in jail and all that. Like, that's a great role for, for Foggy to play, yeah. being just kind of irate about the injustice that's going on. So I couldn't figure out if maybe... The longer game is that they try to make the public somehow sees the Kingpin as a good character, which, you know, that, this is my, my issue where like sometimes TV kind of mimics real life and some of the, the, the people that might be, you know, in elected positions uh, in the last couple of years, you know, where they're dastardly guys, but they are elected. I don't see how the Kingpin is going to run for anything, but I could see where maybe somehow the Daredevil pariah somehow boosts the Kingpin up. Right. Like people people uh, think he's a victim or think that he's OK. He's actually turns out to be an upstanding citizen or he's been exactly he's get these bad guys off the streets. And you have that. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, that, I think that's what they're working against here is the idea that Fisk is conning people. And how ma- how far can that con go? And can it go far enough for him to execute whatever plan he's got? And it's unclear whether his plan is to get out to get uh, Vanessa somewhere safe. It's like it's just unclear what the whole scheme is, but you know, he just, uh, or, or whether his plan is really to just um, be under quote unquote house arrest where he's essentially free and running his criminal empire from this hotel that he owns. Okay. So question, (laughs) if you could predict you're a follower of TV stories, I mean, a lot of these tropes will carry. What's the Vanessa deal? I don't know. That's actually the one that's got me baffled that that I think they have to hold that out there as the reason that Fisk does everything he does, like his whole motivator. So I feel like either they're going to find Vanessa and he's going to try to go to her or they're going to kill Vanessa and he's going to go off the deep end and become enraged and want to burn it all down or that Vanessa will be a pawn in kind of a game. I mean, obviously something has to play out there. I don't think they're going to be like, oh, we got the call. Vanessa's fine. You know, the end. Don't no, worry about yeah, it. She's I, fine. I, I can't like, see that. I, I, I thought maybe Vanessa is somehow pulling strings behind the line, or Wilson knows exactly where she is, and this is just... He's using that her being missing as fuel for something else. It could be right. Like, yeah, he could actually be pulling those strings. My other thought would be maybe we end up in a situation where what he really wants to use bullseye for in the long run is as Karen or not Karen as Vanessa's bodyguard. Right. Like as as I'm going to you're going to be indebted to me and you think you're a good guy. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have you take care of Vanessa because she's in danger. I wonder if that might be a, a tool. Like, he views Bullseye as a tool he could use to protect mm-hmm. his wife. Maybe. I don't know. Well, that would look odd if we see a Bullseye suit. And so now the next question. Do we see the Bullseye suit? We got, so, um, we got the glimmer from, the, from the, the baseball cap. 
Yeah, the bullseye logo is on the baseball cap, so that may just be the tip of the cap to it. Is he a full-on like costume villain? I think this show doesn't doesn't really like the costume thing. I know. And they, even the, even the Daredevil costume is sort of how that. And I have to say, having seen the next episode, I can tell you that there is a there is a path with the with the costume and the costume designer and all of that that's going to happen here. That that so I don't, but I don't know beyond that. And I I uh, wait. My gut. So are you telling that, me we're gonna we're we're going to see the uh, costume maker again? Yes. Yes. Yeah, he's he's coming back. He's coming back. Fantastic. Uh, uh, soon. But um, but yeah, I I don't know about Bullseye. I I feel like maybe Dex is, maybe they they tip their cap to it, just like how you know Matt before he had the full on costume, he had the the you know the rapid thing around his head and all of that. We may see him like dressed in a way that is that is more superhero like, but in a realistic way, rather than him being just the full on. I got a hypno disc on my forehead, kind of bullseye outfit, or uh, etched in as uh, was in the 2005 Daredevil. Oh, yeah, like like carved into his yeah, skin yeah, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe he has a complete break and he remembers his great baseball uh, logo and carves it into his head or something, but or gets a tattoo or I don't know what. But um, but my guess is that is that. If I had to, if I had to bet, it would be not that that we we've gotten the nod to the bullseye logo with uh, with the baseball team. God, the tattoo would be badass, right? Like he gets a he gets a bullseye tattoo for his super sharp shooting. Yeah, why not? All the kids are getting the face tattoos. Yeah, Takashi yeah, sixty nines and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. And, and Mike Tyson. Sure, <laughs> why not? It it all makes sense. Sure. So I've been asking this question and. You are uniquely positioned by doing the talk machine, and I know that you're an avid, kind of somewhat cord cutter. You're on the yeah. I mean, you're in that. I, I have all the. I, I still got the cord, but I also have all the streaming, so I've got all of it. Yeah. See, when they say all cord cutting, you know, you still have to get the cable from the company. That's true. I, you know, that's the one thing that no one ever kind of ding dongs about. But yeah. Are you going yeah, to get? I canceled Comcast except for the internet, right, which I right, can't right, cancel right, right. because yeah, yeah. I need it for all of the things that I used to get on the TV and now I get on the internet. Yeah, Correct. exactly. So will you get into the Disney stream? I feel like it's inevitable that I will get the Disney Plus. Um, I mean, I, I subscribe to a lot of these services because I talk about it on... Not only do we do like episodes of the Incomparable and stuff about these streaming services, but TV Talk Machine, we talk about it. And upgrade, we talk about it. So I'm on podcasts where I, I feel like this is one of the things I talk and write about. So I'm going to get these services. And Disney is interesting. I'm I'm interested to see what they're going to do. But my guess is they're going to come out strong out of the gate. You know, they're going to have Marvel shows. They're going to have Star Wars shows. They're going to have lots of content out of the gate for that service. But now the Mandalorian is not for that. Isn't that going to be? Yes. No, that's Mandalorian is Disney Plus. <sighs> All right, so what's too much? I pay forty three somewhere around there for Hulu, but what is too much? What's yeah, too I rich? Think, I think I think people are going to have to pick and choose, and we may see an era where people are like deactivating some stuff and reactivating it. Um, the question is going to be like, how many services will anybody pay for? Four, maybe. Um, and Netflix is going to be one of them. And if you're a Prime person, you're probably going to keep Prime right. regardless because you got Prime, then you get the video with it. And if you pick up Hulu, um, that's three right there. See, those are my three that I'm in right now. 
Yeah. And so Disney Disney wants to be in that conversation, right? Disney wants uh, Disney also will probably own all, most or all of Hulu very soon. So they're happy to they'll, they'll put some stuff on there. If too, they, if they can I would love it if they would just attach themselves own Hulu and do it all right there. I think they I think they're trying to differentiate between like the stuff they're going to pick up from Fox like FX. Yeah. Um I think they're going to put Landgraf who's the guy who's in charge of FX in charge of Hulu and keep the Disney Plus stuff separate and have that be like a PG or PG-13 service whereas Hulu can be skew a little more adult. So um, we could see potentially it in 2 years when they recast all these things they would bring <laughs> it back I'm not bitter. Um bring it back to Hulu rather than putting it next to, I don't know, the Lion King on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think there's a scenario, um, where, uh, after the Netflix contract expires, the Netflix option or whatever it is that the non-compete yeah. goes away. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I know that Alan Seppenwall, the TV critic for Rolling Stone has said, forget it. It's over. It's like, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I believe that. Like, I think let's see where we are in a couple of years yeah. or a year and a half. Like if Hulu is mostly controlled by Disney at that point and they look at the Netflix Marvel properties and say, what could we pick up off the scrap heap? And like, maybe they look at daredevil and they say, you know, that daredevil show actually was pretty good. Um, and we like Charlie Cox. Maybe we can maybe we can go back to you know the actors and see if we could reconstitute something there. Or maybe they go back to a they pick and choose some of the actors across all these Marvel Netflix shows and say what if we could come up with you know cast three or four of them and do a mini series on Hulu or something like that. Or maybe they leave it in the ground. But I'm not, I don't believe that it's a hundred percent guaranteed that we're never going to see any of these actors as these characters again because. If I'm a creative executive at Disney and Marvel and uh, and Hulu, Fox, whatever, I lo- I might look at this and say, is there value to be given here or to be gained here from the fact that these were so pro- high profile on Netflix and now we could induce some of those Netflix subscribers to move over to our service? And I don't think it will be the same shows, but like if they if they believed there was a good Power Man and Iron Fist Heroes for Hire show to do with with those actors. Um, they should do it. In fact, I, honestly, if I were a Marvel movie executive, right, I would, I would be researching the contract to see when I could use Mike Coulter because I think he is so good. Yep, I th- that I'd put him, I'd put him in the movies somewhere, not as a main character, but I'd like to. Can we slide Luke Cage in somewhere? Because that's a that's like a, a really good actor. It's a, a really rock good solid talent. The problem is that all these actors need to work. And are they going to have jobs? And they're the and some of them are very talented. Are they all going to have other jobs in two years? Right? Like they they can't wait around. They're they have to get more work. Yeah. And they can't yeah. just put them on retainer. So that's I think that's the truth. It becomes more like a reunion thing or a or a reunion movie or a re, reunion uh, series. And they do bring series back now, so maybe we'll see it down the line. But. Uh, and they could also say, you know, this is something we could do at PG thirteen and put it on on Disney Plus. They could also do that. Um, the other problem here is that, of course, these shows are done by the like TV wing of Marvel, and it sounds like the Marvel yeah. Studios group is doing the shows for Disney Plus, and that they may not like they may be looking down on on this material. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I heard in the ether. I was reading something just the other night that apparently the TV portion of Marvel and cinematic don't really get along real well. 
it they yeah, it's an yeah. oil and water type situation. Well, it goes back to like the sale to Disney and the guy who the guy who bought Marvel out of bankruptcy and is still the president of Marvel um and he sold out to Disney, but obviously there's something in his deal of selling it that allows him to stay in charge of Marvel and he's in charge of Marvel TV and for years um he was in charge of Marvel Studios. And um you know, that the Marvel Studios is the goose that lay the golden eggs, right? So Kevin Feige, who runs Marvel Studios, apparently was so fed up with working with this guy who's who's famous for being a cheapskate and kind of a meddler mm-hmm. that he went to like Disney CEO. <laughs> he went to Bob Iger <laughs> and said, um, I, I can't work for that guy anymore. And it's like, oh, you're worth billions and billions of dollars to us. That's okay. You can report into Disney um, film instead. And they and like they got to take their ball and walk away. So Marvel TV stayed under the same guy who runs Marvel Comics. But the Marvel Studios film stuff all got to kind of move over to Disney's feature film division. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's the source, apparently, of all of the shows that they're talking about doing for Disney+. Because they're talking about doing a... Um, like a Scarlet Witch uh, show and something with Loki. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, and the Falcon is involved in something too. And, and it's like and with the characters and actors from the movies, these like secondary characters from the movies getting their own like miniseries or TV shows on Disney+. And, you know, meanwhile, the, the, the Marvel TV stuff is kind of hanging over here. Like I said, I assume that stuff is going to get handed off at some point to... Um, to whoever is in charge of the kind of more adult stuff. My guess is it's going to be John Landgraf, who is the head of FX right now and is going to get, you know, FX networks is going to get sucked into Disney. And they're, they, they're the ones who do, you know, they do Legion. Yeah. Um, and they'll, they'll, uh, the, you know, Fox studio does the, um, that mutant show that's on Fox TV network now. And I, I just, you know, it, so it's possible that they're going to be the ones who end up programming Hulu. And they may have a different opinion about those shows than the people who are programming Disney Plus. It's a there, there's you know 2019. One of the big mysteries is going to be how's that merger going to shake out because that's an enorm couple enormous entertainment companies with big executives, and how are they going to make that work? How are they going to integrate all of 20th Century Fox other than like the TV networks and the news, and the uh, uh, you know the broadcast networks and news and sports networks aren't coming, but the movie studio and the cable channels are all coming over. I don't know, but you, you got me kind of excited about an Anthony Mackie sitcom. Right? <laughs> that's that's our Falcon. Is it is it worth $40 a month? I can't get there necessarily, I, yeah. but it definitely but if it, if sweetens it up. If like there's always a Marvel TV show and there's always something for Star Wars and then there's other stuff too and they roll it all together like that it, it you know, it could cross the bar pretty quickly. Jason, you're I not going to sell me on the Star Wars thing. You can keep saying it, but you're not going to sell me on well, it yeah, until, I, I sell, until, I, until I actually see an yeah, episode. But a lot, a lot, we're sure. But a lot of people are going to be a lot of people are going to be interested in that because sure. it's Star Wars. Yeah. I think this is this is also, by the way, the same reason that at uh, CBS right now they're trying to put together the equivalent of that for Star Trek because they all everybody knows this is the lesson HBO learned a long time ago is if you make one show that people want to see. They sign up for HBO, they watch the show for 10 weeks, and then they cancel HBO. And for 42 weeks, they don't give them any money. <laughs> and then the show comes back, and they sign up, and they watch it for two months. Yeah. And then they cancel it again. So if you're any of these streaming services, you got to put enough in there 
that is spread over the whole year so nobody can ever cancel because they're going to miss out on something. Mm-hmm. That, that FOMO kicks in, which is like, oh, everybody's talking about that new Star Wars show and I can't watch it. Um, and so, like, CBS dipped their toe in the water, water with Star Trek Discovery, but that was 15 weeks. But they're, they're gearing up to have a Star Trek factory where there's always some Star Trek show on. That's like their goal is that if you're a Star Trek fan, there will never be a week where there won't be some new Star Trek dropping. So you got to keep paying them. And for Disney Plus, the same is going to be true. There's going to be new Star Wars all the time and there's going to be new Marvel all the time. The question is for something like Hulu, would they also put new Marvel on Hulu? I think that's a no brainer. I think, yeah, you totally do that. Or at least you do uh, it after the fact. You, you premiere it on Disney Plus. And then after six months, eight months, then it shifts over to Hulu for a little bit. Could be, could be. I, I, my, my gut feeling is that they're going to try to define those services very differently, where the Disney Plus stuff is more family friendly, and the Hulu stuff is more um, edgy and uh, and appeals more to adults. Because like the a lot of the FX content, like it's always sunny in Philadelphia, and you're the worst. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. You know, all of that stuff is, um, you know, if you think about like the Shield, some stuff like that. Like it's adult material, and that, well, I think even maybe Legion. that's going to be Legion cool. was pretty Legion, adult, totally, totally. Yeah, in fact, very adult. Mm-hmm. Boy, what a what a season that could have been. Ah, too bad. Yeah, we we sometime we'll talk about season two. I, I yeah they. I feel really bad because I love that show so much in season one and season two just lost me. Yeah, it just, oh well. I felt like I, I, I wasn't doing enough drugs. It's too bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure there were enough drugs to have Legion season two make sense. Yeah. Honestly. So where where do we lie? I This is a phenomenal episode. I, I, I you know, I every episode has been very good. And I, this... I keep waiting for the bomb to drop out. But – I know they've learned so much about the SAG, and so I, I don't think we're going to see that SAG. I hope not. I, 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 yeah, I don't feel it, and in fact, this feels like the the people who put this show together wanted to prove that they could do a season of individual episodes, each of which stood on its own mm-hmm. and built to the whole, to kind of like in defiance of how people are interpreting Netflix binge drop shows like no 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 we can do it we can play this game of episode by episode everyone is unique and makes a point and is part of a larger whole and that's why um that's as i'm watching this that's why that tweet from the the writer on the on the daredevil staff was so heartbreaking about how they already had the season four plot broken and on the board and their writer's room was there and they were planning what they were going to do and all the episodes and everything when they got the news that they were going to get the plug pulled by Netflix. And I feel worse the more of this I watch because after a bunch of either kind of halfway okay seasons or just bad seasons in the Marvel Netflix world, mm-hmm. um, this season of Daredevil, out of the context of knowing that they're just killing off all these shows... Right. I look at this and I go, they figured it out. Yep. They like, they're back in the saddle. They figured it out. You know, the Marvel Netflix shows are back, but they're not. They're gone. It's too bad because this, like, I have a great, so much greater confidence in this than I did through, you know, Luke Cage season two and The Defenders and Jessica Gen- Jones season two and, you know, all Iron Fist. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, they got it. Because, like, Daredevil Season 1 and Jessica Jones Season 1, I really, really, really liked. And everything else has been the first half of Luke Cage was good. But, like, since then it's been kind of like, mm, you know, 
Um, I haven't. I still haven't seen all the Punisher, and I actually like the parts of Punisher that I've seen. I know you do. Uh, that's I, Tim. You, you... Tim. Uh, Tim likes the Punisher too. I don't know if you know that, but he dropped that on a TVTM the other week. Is that he was going to go back and watch more of that? Really? Because surprised. the quote he, he was from surprised his, at how good it was. Yeah, the quote from him that really turned my gear was blood porn. The blood porn on on Daredevil. Yeah, he got turned off by Daredevil. I think he I think he sees in in uh, Punisher what you saw in Punisher, which is that it is about this broken like broken guy and broken people trying to trying to get it together, and how there's some compelling human drama in that. That and it didn't that, have a lot of sag. Yeah, and yeah. And so I, I think that that set the stage for okay, how can we do this so that you know if we if we if we have parts of the story that maybe aren't you know this the b and c plots if they're strong enough the entire bridge will be strong and sturdy yeah you just got to have 13 episodes worth of story right? exactly like, ultimately it is it, it the mystery of the sag is not hard like like uh luke cage is a great example luke cage they had an initial idea and they had an idea about how they wanted the season to end season one of luke cage right. And then they had to figure out how to get them to stick together. And guess what? That's the sag. Yep. When you tape, you take the two rigid parts of the bridge, and then you tape them together with tape. Like the, that, that that part in the middle, that's going to sag. Yeah. Like that's bad. And, and Daredevil, at least so far, feels like they they have a plan and they're executing a plan, and they've got thirteen episodes worth of story. Like like season one did, like Jessica Jones season one did. So so yeah, it's a real it's a crying shame that um, that for perfectly understandable business reasons yes. this is all getting folded up because uh just because the nature of the the world is different than when they made this deal disney and uh and netflix a few years ago because daredevil season three at least to this point i look at it and i think you know but they but they got it everybody they figured it out it's back they figured it out and it doesn't matter We'll just have to enjoy this while we can. That's, that's all we got. That's all we can do. That's that's what we do with this, in this life. That's, that's right. The slow binge. You got to savor it now because this is all we're going to get a Maddie and Senor Foggy and Karen and the rest. So for those of you who have already watched everything, you're completely bored out of your mind because you're oh, saying, what are we doing? You're they're going, laughing. Yeah, you're going they're laughing at us and our speculation yeah. about what's going to happen. They know the answer. And, and, and they and they and and they're just like what you're only on five well that's just the way it goes and it's worth savoring things we're savoring it yeah if only we could do that more in our lives i know right right don't watch it on your phone wait (laughs) put it on your tv sit down get some popcorn turn turn the lights off sure Uh it's christmas you're not doing anything yeah yeah what are they gonna do well, we've gone almost an hour, so really we've got to wrap it up. So I thank you, Jason, for coming on this special, special episode of wow. learning how to throw a baseball. Yeah, I always love baseball, so I'm glad to be on this episode where a child uses a baseball to murder his coach. It was a very special episode of Daredevil. It must be really, really hard. I'm sorry for that. <laughs> See you later, folks.